on your right or left, tell them, my word, you are good looking tonight. Just tell them, tell them, you're good looking tonight. (laughs) I tell you what, it's cold up here in Indiana. But I have been overwhelmed by the amazing hospitality of the the church and the leadership here. And I tell you what, I just count it an honor, a privilege to be here. Uh, When uh, I got the call to come, I was actually, this is no joke, I was listening to a teaching uh, by um, uh, Dr. Jacobs on angels. And it's the best teaching on the subject I have found anywhere. Uh, It is absolutely phenomenal. I was doing a series on that in my church. Uh, and so I was learning from the best on that. And literally, I had to hit stop to pick up the phone. I pick up the phone, and it's Brother Michael Jacobs <laughs> on the other end of it. So, so with that, uh, as soon as he gave me the opportunity and they invited me to come, I knew in my heart that uh, it was something I wanted to be a part of, something I wanted to do. Uh, as uh, he made mention, I've, I've pastored now for right at 13 years. October will make 14 years. I started pastoring when I was 19 years old. Uh, the reason for that, my father, as he may mention, uh, passed away when I was 17 years old. And uh, there's a backstory behind all of that. Maybe uh, tomorrow night with the, the leaders meeting, we'll get into some of those things. But with that, uh, anyway, at 19, I found myself pastoring. Uh, and under my exceptional leadership, church attendance went from about 1,000 people to around 400 people. Uh, and that's counting everything that moved probably twice. My biggest <laughs> prayer... Uh, every single weekend was, Lord, just let them come back for next weekend. In fact, I was so nervous my second time preaching, not my first, but my second time preaching, I was so nervous uh, that literally I forgot to tell the people to be seated, preach to them the entire time with them standing up. This is a true story. Preach to them the entire time with them standing up and did not know I did that until the end of the service when I was about to tell them to stand for the altar call. Uh, and I realized I left them standing, and to their credit, they stood the entire time. They did not sit down. Uh, but man, I tell you what, our story has been phenomenal. The goodness of God in our church has just been so overwhelming. Uh, we stand today uh, with a new facility, completely debt-free. Uh, we're getting ready to, to build phase two, which will be a new sanctuary and offices and a cafe, all those fun things. And I tell you, it's been an amazing ride, and over the last decade, we have just picked up uh, some things that have enabled us to to grow as a church, to reach our community, uh, and some things that have enabled us to to grow as individuals. And so, I I have something on my heart uh, that I had ever since that day when I received the invitation to come here uh, to kind of minister to you all. I think it'll help everyone in the room. I also think it'll help the church. But before I do that... I would just like to say uh, how blessed I am to be a part of this. I believe God has a supernatural plan for this ministry, uh, for for both Dr. Jacobs and the the traveling ministry as well as his impartation here in the church. And then for Pastor Jordan, I just, I tell you what, I'm delighted to know him on the front end. uh, And I can't wait to see over the coming years what God is going to do in and through this place. I I knew it when I got the phone call that I was going to be a part of something special. And uh, with that, uh, over the last 24 hours, uh, just spending time with these amazing individuals, the more I know in my heart that God is up to something big. 
and with that, uh, not always does bigness equal greatness. Nowhere in the Bible does it call God a big God. Uh, all throughout Scripture, it calls God a great God. And in our life and ministry today, you've been around the block enough to know uh, that there's a lot of things that are big, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are great. Uh, and so never think just because something is big that something is great. But there is something in God that when he makes something great, which God is a great God, um, that he enlarges our territory. Uh, And with that, I believe God is going to enlarge the territory of this ministry, of this place, and that this community is going to be touched and reached in really dynamic ways. I believe that not only because I'm up here preaching, Uh, I pastor a church uh, where uh, I don't take many traveling opportunities. I don't travel out all that much. Out of 10 invitations, I will probably decline nine uh, because I'm a pastor. I'm pastor of Word of Life. I I, um, am not trying to build Joel Sims Ministries. But as soon as I got the the call for that, I, I knew I was supposed to be here, and I knew I was supposed to encourage you. Uh, that I believe that what we've seen in our church, I believe you are going to see take place in this church. I'll I'll tell you a story. Uh, About two years ago, I noticed that something was wrong with me. Have you ever noticed something was wrong with you? Uh, And uh, uh, with that in my life, I knew what was wrong with me is I was struggling to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is the hallmark of a healthy Christian. When you can maintain love without having to fight to maintain it, maintain joy and peace and all of these things without constantly having to fight to maintain it, it's the mark of a, a healthy spiritual life. If you're struggling to keep hold of your love or keep hold of your joy or keep hold of your peace, you need to do a self checkup. You need to come in for an evaluation. And in my life, I found that uh, it was getting more and more difficult for me to hang on to the fruit of the Spirit. And with that, I began searching my heart, and I didn't see anything I could change from my my natural schedule. My spiritual life was flourishing. My prayer life was probably better than it had ever been. My time in the Word, all of these things were were strong. And so it was concerning as to what is going on in, in my life that would make it such a struggle to hang on to these things. Finally, after just pulling away enough from work to kind of seek the Lord, the Lord just basically dealt with me, you're tired, uh, and you need to take time to rest. How many of you know rest is something we have to labor to enter into, uh, according to Scripture? Uh, And with that, uh, I had gone an extended period of time without a vacation, had gone an extended period of time without taking any time off, and And with that, I just made a decision, you know what, I'm going to take some time, I'm going to pull away. Oftentimes, the pullback is for the comeback. Uh, No, if you need more strength in coming back, sometimes all you need is a good pullback. Rest and revelation, at least in my life, I found go hand in hand. Uh, So with that, make rest and pulling back a a priority in your life. And anyway, I I took a a family vacation to the beach, and I'm sitting there on the beach, and I'm watching my kids play, and with this, I'm just praying in the Spirit, And the Lord spoke to my heart a story that's in the Old Testament. And the story, many of you know it, uh, Moses has just seen God cause water to flow from a rock. And with this, when you're in a wilderness, this is obviously very beneficial, but immediately this becomes very coveted property. And so an enemy comes to take this territory from God's people. Uh, This enemy comes up, sees immediately how uh, advantageous it would be to own this property, and they're coming to fight against the children of Israel. The issue is, is while the children of Israel have numbers, they don't have any fighting skill. They've been slaves 
produced for all these decades. So none of them know how to fight off an enemy. And the leader of the pack does something very strange. You know what he does? Moses, instead of engaging in warfare with the enemy, does something. He goes up on top of the hill. You know the story. When he gets to the top of the hill, he lifts up the rod of God in his hand, which symbolizes the power, the authority of God. And as he lifts up his power, his power from the hill goes to Joshua, who is out in the field. And as soon as this supernatural power touches Joshua's natural power, immediately it enables Joshua to take ground for the kingdom of God and to keep the devil off the territory that God had already given them. You know the story. This is fantastic. The only issue is Moses is getting very tired. His hands are getting very weak. Well, there's two men, Aaron and Hur, who see all of this, and they say, you know what? We're going to make it our mission to help Moses. So they come up there, and they tell Moses, look, you need to do something. You need to rest too. So they set up a rock, and Moses sits down on the rock. One gets on one hand. The other one gets on the other hand. And they lift up his arms, enabling the supernatural power to continually reach Joshua out in the field. The result is a marvelous victory on that day, and God comes and tells Moses, you need to rehearse this in the ears of Joshua. I love that. You need to rehearse this in the ears of Joshua. Now, for those of you who are on the band, you know what a rehearsal is. It means you go over and over and over and over and over something, and God says there's something you need to go over and over and over and over and over with Joshua, and what he needs to know is it was not your natural ability that was causing you to win this war. What caused you to win this war was a man behind you with his hands lifted up. How many of you know if you can allow your praise to remain, you can make it through anything? If you can keep your hands up and your praise up, if you can cause your praise to break your chains instead of your chains breaking your praise, you can see God work suddenly in your life. So with that, that's an amazing story, right? It's, it's amazing. I've always known that story like you've known the story, but God spoke something to my heart that day that changed the course of my life forever. And it was this. He said, I have made your church a Moses on the hill, that with that you have power. And it's true, we do. We're, we're, we've been blessed for the last seven years. We've had a 24% growth at least every year. Uh, This past year, we had 27% growth. This past year, we had 1,767 people make a decision for Jesus Christ. 31% of our church has either never been churched or hasn't been churched for 10 years. It's amazing. And with that, it's come supernaturally. It hasn't been me being an exceptional public speaker. It's it's been the grace and the goodness of God. He's given us a spiritual power. Uh, And with this, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, if all you're going to use your spiritual power for is so that you can be comfortable on the hill, eventually you will get tired and you will lose that power. He said, if all you use your comfort for, if all you want a big church for, if all you're using your comfort for is this power for so that you can be comfortable on the hill, eventually you will lose your power. But if you will send your strength, your power, to Joshua's who are out in the field, men and women who are taking territory for the kingdom of God and working diligently to keep the devil off territory that God has already given them, he said, I will send people beside you who will uplift your arms and you and your church will never be weak. I made a decision that day that I would seek to make other people's vision my mission. 
that our church is very much like a, a John the Baptist. There will be ministries that go further than we will ever go. Uh, Jesus' ministry went further than John the Baptist's ministry, but John the Baptist's ministry was, was enabling Jesus to go further faster, that he helped pave the way for Jesus' ministry to touch this earth and in three years touch uh, the whole world in such a way that no other man since Jesus has been able to do. Jesus did that because of the anointing and the grace that was on his life, but also people who helped him, who made Jesus' vision their mission. And with that, there are ministries that we have helped get going, and there are missionaries that we underwrite their entire budget. Last year at Word of Life, we gave over a million dollars to world missions. We partnered up to help send strength to Joshua's who were out in the field. And friends, I kid you not, two months after making that decision, I had two men call me up. They had just come into the church. They said, we'd like to meet with you, Pastor Joel. I came in there, I started meeting with them, uh, and I was, you know, a little bit nervous in taking the meeting. You know, sometimes you never know why people are making appointments with the pastor. Uh, And they said, we need to talk to you soon, and typically that's never a good thing. Uh, But with this, uh, I got in the meeting, and I'm sitting there across from from these uh, individuals. And they said, uh, we've been praying, and the whole time we've been praying the last couple of weeks, we've just had it in our heart to tell you something. Uh, we would like to, to help the church with the debt. At that time, we had just built a, a new uh, building uh, project. The total project was right under $12 million. And with that, uh, we still owed money on that facility. And um, they, they began talking to me about that. And they said, how much is, is owed on the facility? Make a long story a little bit longer. They, they cut a check on that day that completely paid off that church to where we were 100% debt free come on now what was that it's an Aaron and her and I said all that to say this is I believe that you have pastors here and leadership here that wants to take territory for the kingdom of God and it's not about being big It's about doing something great for the kingdom of God. But I think a part of that greatness is going to be a multiplication of everything you guys are doing. I don't use the the word multiplication lightly or just because it seems like it would fit there. I could very easily say addition or those types of things. But I believe firmly uh, that there's a multiplication that is going to take place in this ministry because you have leadership who wants to take territory for God's kingdom. Now, here's what I feel like I need to, to kind of begin this with, and then we'll get over into the notes side and, and those types of things. I just had this story come up in my heart tonight, that if you will see your life like I see mine, that there are people that God will connect you with, and that a divine connection is just that. It's a divine connection. Throughout the, the I'm a big fan of reading the Kings in the uh, Old Testament. I think their stories are very interesting. And with this, you see that when when God was placing a king into authority, he always did something. You know what he did? He would touch the hearts of men to connect themselves to that king. He would touch their hearts. And with this, with, man, I tell you what, with this, I, I believe wholeheartedly that there are men and women in this room 
who your heart has been touched to support Michael Jacobs' ministry, to support this church here. God has touched your heart to do that. And in in my life, there are, are missionaries who they just have my heart. And sometimes I'll even look at their tactics and think, man, they should do things this way or they should do things that way. And I wish they would go after these things and target those things. And I suppose in all of us, that's only natural to see things like that. But every time that happens in my heart, And every time that that happens, immediately the voice of the Holy Spirit will come and say, no, what I'm asking you to do is to make their vision your mission. And and I feel like tonight that if if you hear tonight, we'll, we'll see that if I can make their vision my mission, that God will link up all that you need for you to not only remain strong, but to increase in strength. For some of you, that may be a new job. For some of you, that may be a new position. For some of you, it could be an increase of the grace of God that is on your ministry or on your life or on your business or on your family, whatever it may be. For, for some of you, it could be things that you've been believing God for. They just suddenly break open and suddenly change. And the grace of God is just poured out in that. The anointing just breaks and destroys the yoke. But I... I really believe that everyone in this room has been called to serve someone. And the greatest among us in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. And I just want to encourage you in that in a big way, that if God has touched your heart to be in this place, operate with the spirit of unity, operate with one heart, one voice, one mind. And when you hear vision communicated, across this this pulpit, over this PA system, when you hear that vision, if you will make that vision your mission, you will see God arm you with everything you need to not only continue in the strength that you have, but to reach greater levels of strength than you have ever walked in before. Amen. 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 Do you receive that? Amen. Amen. Let's just pray. Let's pray for your, your pastor here. Let's just, amen. Father, we, we thank you for these, these amazing individuals. And Father, we just thank you that we will make their vision our mission. We bless you in the name of Jesus. We say you increase, you multiply. You walk in divine wisdom and you operate with the spirit of seeing and knowing. Everything you need to see, you see. Everything you need to know, you know. Everything your heart needs to understand, heart, you understand it in Jesus' name. Be quickened, be empowered. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name for the anointing that is on their life and the grace that they are operating in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good things. Good, good things. I tell you what, I am, I am excited to be a part of this. Um, I didn't always have the, the story that I have today of, of seeing God's goodness and grace uh, outpoured in my life. There was a time in my career and a time in my ministry where I very much struggled. And when I say struggled, I don't mean like 
you know, this is a bad day. I mean, like, this is a bad year. Uh, and um, as he made mention of, I um, made out a list one night of ministers I could give the church to. I knew I was called to pastor the church, but it seemed like the very thing that God had called me to do was producing nothing but struggle. Have you ever been there? It's like, I, I know God's called me to do this, but because the struggle was there, it was making me question that call. It was making me question myself. It was making me question my ability. It was making me question my anointing. It was making me question really everything. I felt like a failure. I felt like everything my father had built in 20 years, I was tearing apart in one. And I I made up my mind I was not going to do that. I was around 20 years old at that time. And for me to start over my life would not be that big of a deal. Before I was pastor of the church, I was working at a coffee shop making a quarter above minimum wage. And so for me to start over uh, was not necessarily that big of a deal, but I had employees underneath me uh, who for them to start over would be a game changer. And I told the Lord um, that night, literally weeping on my knees, on my bathroom floor, that if you do not help me, if you do not help me, I have no choice but to turn this over to someone else. I felt completely underqualified. I felt like a failure. I know that's a big deal for for many of us. I know for a man that definitely cut me in a a deep way, especially feeling like I was failing at something like my father did so successfully. Uh, And with that, um, it just altered my life, and a, a darkness just kind of hung over me. And that night on my bathroom floor, a little measure of light broke in. And I woke up the next morning, and over the process of the next couple of months and, and really years, the Lord began to speak to me and to reveal to my heart different things I needed to do in order to be the man that he had created and called me to be. And there was something that happened on one particular night that once again, just like sitting on the beach, kind of altered the complexion of my ministry and life. And on this one particular night, I went to bed and went to bed. I had a, a spiritual dream. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that some of us can have vivid dreams according to what we eat, if it's spicy or pepperoni or whatever it may be. But I think some of you in this room know what I'm talking about, that when you receive a spiritual dream and God deals with you through that avenue. This has only happened to me a handful of times, but every time it's, it's been quite significant in my life. And in this dream, I saw myself, but it wasn't me. I saw me, but it wasn't me. It was a better version of me. Literally, everything about me was enhanced. I was on an airplane, and in this airplane, I saw myself sitting down, uh, and uh, man, the, the whole, my whole complexion was different. My eyes were different. The way I carried myself was different. There was an air of confidence about me that was different. And I got up from the seat I was in, and I walked down the little aisle of the plane, and there was a guy who at the time did not work for me. Now he does. Uh, He works with us there at Word of Life. And he was sitting there, and I came up, and I put my hand on his shoulder. And I began talking to him. And I don't know what I said, but I know my words just carried a different weight about him. That's what the anointing does. It makes things weighty. And with that, my words carried a different weight about him. And every word I was saying was cutting to the heart of that man. 
And it so shook me. It so shook me. There were other things that I saw, but there, it so shook me that immediately I woke up. And I woke up in this state of, of wondering, what is it going to take for me to produce something like that in my life? I knew that was me, but it was a different me. It was a better version of me. Did you know that in most of us in this room tonight, there's a you in you that's better than the you you see right now? <laughs> There's a you in you that's greater than the you you see right now. It's called your potential. And with this, it so shook me and so really, I guess the only word I know for it was alarmed me because it was such a better version of me. It was ridiculous. It so alarmed me that I ran upstairs to what was my office. Now it's my little girl's bedroom. I fell on my knees and I asked the Lord the following question. What in the world will it take for me to be that man? Because when I look at my life right now, I'm most definitely not him. In any shape, form, or fashion, I'm not that guy. What is it going to take for me to be him? Because I knew that me was in me. I didn't need the dream to see that. In fact, that was at the heart of my frustration was I knew that was in me the whole time. And the reason why I was so frustrated with life is I was wondering, where is that man? I know I can be him. I know that can be me. And and the heart of my frustration was not just the results I was producing, but the man I was becoming. And I, I knew in that moment I could be that guy. What is it going to take for me to be him? The Lord spoke to my heart on that night very, very clearly couple of things that I needed to alter in my life. How many of you know whom the Lord loves, he disciplines? Don't ever be afraid of discipline. The Bible says a wise man craves it. And with this, the Lord began to to give me just some course corrections I could make in life. One of the main ones was my love walk, being a person of integrity being a person of forgiveness. There were ministers who had come out of our church Uh, not with the blessing of the Lord upon it, but had come out of that uh, and started other churches there in the community and uh, were solicitating members to join their flock. And and with that, it um, affected me. I had to make a decision to deal with that. That's another message. Uh, But with that, one of the things that the Lord dealt with me about was that I needed to pray in the Spirit more. Now, I grew up very much in a church just like this with a phenomenal, like you guys. How many of you know the legacy of faith that is in this place is through the roof? I mean, when he was taking up the offering, I'm like, how do I get up after that? I mean, he's just covering a scripture, and it's the, the weightiness and the anointing that's on Pastor Jacobs. With that, I grew up with that. And, and with that, I always knew the importance of praying in the Spirit. But friends, I tell you, on that night, the Lord began to deal with me about this issue and showed me something in Scripture that I had never seen before, never heard anyone else preach on, but showed me this was the very thing I needed to do. Let's look at it. If you you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Samuel chapter 10. And we're going to look here in verse 6. This is the story of King Saul. And King Saul has just uh, uh, heard that he's going to be the next king over Israel, really the first king over Israel. 
And King Saul dealt with what many of us deal with and what I was dealing with in that moment in my life as well, just a deep-rooted insecurity. And he's wondering, how in the world am I going to do this and be this person and those types of things? And the prophet Samuel tells him something. And what he tells him is quite significant and quite profound when viewed in light of the New Testament. Let's, view, let's see this in 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 6. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Now, if you have a, a pen or pencil or something like that, or you're taking notes, you can write down number one, by the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Number one, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Then, he says, and you will prophesy. You could put a number two by that. You will prophesy. Number one, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Number two, you will prophesy. How many of you know your words determine your future every single time? Your words in your life will always match every single time. But with this, he says, you will prophesy with them. Number three, you can put it by this next phrase, and you will be turned into another man. Verse 7, and it shall be when these signs are come unto thee, number four, that you will do as the occasion serves thee, for God is with you. That word, if you you really study out the, the Hebrew of that, it means you will be able to do as the occasion demands. Whatever the occasion demands, you'll be able to rise to that occasion. Now, notice the progression here. He says, number one, Saul, how am I going to do this? Okay, Saul, here's how you're going to do it. Number one, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. Awesome, great. What's going to happen after that? Number two, you're going to get some inspired utterance. Everyone say inspired utterance. How many of you know that's what prophecy is? Prophecy is inspired utterance in an unknown tongue. What's speaking in tongues? It's inspired utterance in an unknown tongue. He says that with this, when the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, He's going to give you some inspired utterance. He says when this inspired utterance comes, it's going to do something. What's it going to do? It's going to change you into another man, a God-man. Well, awesome. What does that mean? He says here's what it means. You will be able to do whatever the occasion demands. Whatever is in your life in the moment that you need to be overcome, whatever it is you need in that moment, if you have the Spirit of the Lord upon you, you can get some inspired utterance out of your mouth and let that inspired utterance come out. You will be changed into whoever you need to be in that moment so that you can rise to the occasion and win every single time. Now, the Lord dealt with my heart on that night and said, look, you've got number one. You've got number one. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. How many of you know once you're you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you? But then there is another experience, according to Acts chapter 19, where you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. They came to him in Acts chapter 19 and asked him one question. They said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Meaning there must be another experience after salvation called being filled with the Holy Spirit, or they wouldn't have asked Christians, have you received the Holy Spirit? Anyway, I know many of you in here have received that gift, just like I had. But the Lord dealt with me. He said, okay, you've got number one, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, but you have got to allow some inspired utterance to come out of your mouth, to make it a habit, to pray in the Spirit as much as possible, to get that inspired utterance out. And if you can do that, you'll be changed into another man, and you'll be able to do as the occasion demands. 
Smith Wigglesworth said, I just simply edify myself and then I go out and edify the people. What's, what's he saying? He's saying exactly that. The Holy Spirit is upon me. He's there for a reason. He's there to empower me. And that inspired utterance enables me to tap into that power. And I just simply go out and do whatever the occasion demands of me in that moment. I edify myself. Then I go out and I edify the people. At the tail end of Jesus' ministry, there were two men who went through a significant test and trial in their relationship with Jesus. You know these men. One was by the name of Judas. Another one was by the name of Peter. Judas, the issue in his life was Judas was fake. He was fake. And there's very few things that God can do with people who want to be fake. He was going through the motions, but the whole time he's going through the motions, there's no part of him that wants to change. There's no part of him that wants correction. He's settled into his way of living, settled into his sin. There was no part of him that wanted to change. Judas was fake. He was one way in front of Christ and another way behind Christ, but it wasn't because he was just simply dealing with sin. He had made a decision to allow sin to own his life. Judas was fake, and it cost him. It cost him. I want to encourage you in your life to never, ever fall into a place where sin is anything you are willing to play with. But there was another man in the story by the name of Peter who was definitely not fake. Peter was incredibly sincere, the very opposite of being fake. Peter looked Jesus in the eye and could not have been more sincere when he said, I will not forsake you or deny you. All these other jokers may. I mean, he just threw them all under the bus. I mean, threw them all under the bus. All these other guys may, but look at me, Jesus. I will never, never forsake you. And you know what? When he said it, he meant it. I will never, he said it three times. Never forsake you. And yet they take Jesus. You know the story. They ridicule him. They mock him. They hit our Savior in the mouth and blindfold him and say, tell us who punched you. They rip his beard out. All of these things. And Peter is seeing all of this. And a little girl comes up and asks him, hey, weren't you with him? In that moment, he does the very thing he said he would never do. Not because he was fake, but because he was weak. Interesting. In the Old Testament, the prophet Daniel had a vision, and in the vision, he saw this magnificent creature, this statue appear. The statue from from head all the way to the ankles was incredibly strong and made out of strong materials. Powerful things, glorious things, strong things. The issue was, well, it had all of this strength in the upper body and in the head and in the shoulders. It had one thing that was weak about it. Anyone know what was weak about that statue? It's toes. It had feet of what? Feet of clay. Have you ever heard that phrase? Well, we all have feet of clay. Have you ever heard that? What does that mean? It, it means we all have weaknesses. And when that statue was destroyed, it wasn't hit in the brass. It wasn't hit in the strength. Where was it hit? It was hit at the feet. And when that stone hit that feet, the whole thing came crashing down. 
In our lives, we all have areas of our lives where we're naturally gifted in. We have natural graces. We have natural abilities. We have natural, you could say it this way, strengths. In fact, there's been entire books written about strength finders, helping you discover and operate in your strengths. All of these types of things are, are good resources. We could all grow in those areas and make sure we're working in an occupation that uses the best of our strengths. But what keeps us up at night are not our strengths. Our strengths appear glorious. In fact, Jesus in, in the New Testament it said displayed his glory. And whenever everyone saw Jesus' glory, you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to be near him. It's the same thing with you. When people see your glory, what do they want to do? They want to be near you. They want to hear you. They want to be your friend. When you see somebody's glory, if it's an athlete dunking a ball or a coach winning a, a national championships and you see their glory, people will go out of their way to be people next to people who have displayed their glory and have glorious lives. But you know what all these people have? Feet of clay. And you get close enough to anyone, you know what you start to see? You can see their strengths, you can see their glory, but you know what else you begin to see in those moments? You begin to see their feet of clay. They have weaknesses. And that's the thing that stops most people. It's not their strengths. For some it is. Their strength causes them to turn to pride. But for most of us, the issue in our life is not our, our glorious brass or strength. It is our feet of clay. And on that night, Peter reveals his feet of clay. And you know what happens? He catches eyes with Jesus. And when he catches eyes with Jesus, he weeps bitterly. You ever had a moment like that? Where you were so disappointed in yourself that you wept bitterly? Where, where you're wondering, why is it in my life why I cannot break through in this area? And maybe it's an old habit that's been tripping you up. Or maybe it's a result like it was for me on the job. Why can't I see any progress in this area? It just seems like no matter how much strength I try to work on this, it just seems like the weaker and weaker it gets. Peter weeps bitterly. He's not fake. He's weak. He's not fake. He gave it his best. He was incredibly sincere when he told Christ, I will fix this. This will not happen in my life. I promise you, I swear, they may all do this. I never will. He meant every word of it. Yet he still went out and failed at the very thing he swore he would not. Why? Weakness. Here's the amazing thing about our Father. And don't ever forget this. He is the potter. And we are the clay. And in your life where God will reveal his greatest glory is not in your strengths because you could take credit for that. In your, in your life, God will turn your clay into something amazingly beautiful if you will give your clay over to the master and enable him to work with it. You know why people want to hear my story? It wasn't because I jumped in the game immediately became successful. It was that I failed. I was on my bathroom floor. I was crying out to God, pouring out my weaknesses. But God turned that clay into something that he could fill up with his glory. And when I stand up here, I can't testify to the fact of my anointing or my grace. I can only testify to the fact of the goodness of God that has been in my life. And I have this testimony because God works with clay. That's what he works with. And in your life, if you have an area of frustration, whatever it may be, God wants to work with that. So don't hide your clay. Give him your clay. Don't run from the fact that you have weaknesses. We all have feet of clay, but instead take those weaknesses to the potter and allow him to do something marvelous with it. Here's the thing, and I'll start winding down with this. This is my first closing, my first closing. 
Did you know all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Peter had another name? It was Simon Peter. You remember Simon? You know what Simon means? I know you probably have heard this. Simon means a, a, a weed or a, 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 some type of reed that is easily shaken by the wind. So there's this part of, of Simon that's incredibly weak that even a wind can shake it. And when Jesus comes into Simon's life, once again, he's not nervous about Simon's clay. That's the very thing he wants to work with. And so he says, Simon, I know that you have been named Simon, a reed that is easily shaken, but I'm going to call you by a different name. I'm going to change your identity. How many of you know until you change your identity, you can never reach your destiny? That oftentimes the greatest gift God could give you is not to win the Powerball. It's just to simply change your identity, who you are in him. In the life of Saul, he had to change his identity to Paul. And once his identity was changed, his life was. In the Old Testament, he had to change Jacob to Israel. And once his identity was changed, his, he was able to reach his destiny. And with this in Simon's life, he says, I know you've been a reed that is easily shaken. This guy who steps out, and we see it all throughout his, his ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'll step out of the boat, reveal strength, but then I'll go right back to my weakness of fear and insecurity. And Jesus said, I'm going to change that. From here on out, you'll be called Peter, Petra, a rock that I can build on. But one thing you see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is sometimes Peter's this amazing rock, but like a coin has two sides, it'd flip, and then you'd see, whoa, there's Simon again. Sometimes there's this guy who's filled with faith. It's the most awesome man you've ever met. And then the coin flips, it's like, where did that come from? When Jesus was walking off the earth, He turns to his disciples and Simon Peter and says the following, I don't want you to do anything. Anything. Literally anything. I know I've told you to go in all the world. Stop. Before you go, I need you to do something. What? I need you to stay here. Well, what are we waiting for? You're waiting for the Holy Spirit. Well, why are we waiting for the Holy Spirit? For you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He said, what you need is you need power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, you see Peter step up, and there is no trace of Simon in that man. There is this bold, courageous individual who's standing up in the face of thousands, proclaiming the name of Jesus. Why? Power. He was able to do as the occasion demands because he was turned into another man because he had inspired utterance in the upper room and he had the inspired utterance because the Holy Spirit had come upon him. Which brings me to this. Why tongues? Why, why pray in tongues? Why did God give us tongues? People, you know, come and they, they want to talk about these things, especially I live in Jackson, Mississippi. We have a, a very... Um, in, in large church in terms of numbers and those types of things. And so we get a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and people always want to know, well, why tongues? And that's one of my favorite things to do is to introduce people to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how it can help them in their daily walk. Like it helped me that this, how many of you know the Holy Spirit is not just for a service, the Holy Spirit is for life. He's for life. 
And with this, I get this question all the time, why tongues? And so with that, I was praying about this one day. What, why tongues? You know, why couldn't it have been, you know, something else? Why tongues? And the Lord spoke to my heart, John 4. In John 4, Jesus is ministering by the Holy Spirit to a woman at a well, a woman who had a lot of clay in her life, especially in the relationship area. How many of you know God's not afraid of any type of sin? There's so much mercy in Jesus. And he goes out of his way. In fact, he turns to his disciples and says, I must need go over here to deal with this woman. One woman just caught up in the herd of relationships. And he comes to this woman. They start sitting by a well talking. And Jesus has taken a long journey. And out of this long journey, he's, of course, very tired. The disciples go to go get him food, but he's needing water. The issue was, is he's sitting on this well, but he has nothing to draw the water with. Now, all the water he needs is down there, but he has no vessel to draw the water out with. And so he starts talking about uh, water to this woman, and she's sitting there. He asks her, you know, could you, you get me a drink? And she starts talking to him about, well, who are you to ask a woman like me to do something like this? And on and on. And he said, well, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for water because the water I would give you is everlasting water. And he's just having this amazing discourse, but she's still thinking about natural water. And she asked him a very question. The question I just said, what good does it for you to be sitting here by this well with all this water and you have nothing to draw the water out with? Very good question. Down in the well was everything Jesus needed in that moment, was the refreshment Jesus needed in that moment. But how many of you know, you got to have everything that you need right there. But if you don't have anything to draw out the water with, it's not going to do you a lick of good. You've got to find a way to get the water out. The water is there, but what is in you has to flow forth. It's got to come out. And so she says, Jesus, you don't have anything to draw out with. The Lord spoke to my heart. He said, why tongues? I'll tell you why tongues. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are filled with the very life, nature, authority of God. You are filled with the wisdom of God, the peace of God, the wisdom of God. You've got the master teacher within you. Everything you need to put you over the top, you are filled with in that moment. The very power of God, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is literally dwelling in your mortal body. All of that power is there. All of that wisdom is there. All of that anointing is there. All of that grace is there. But friends, I'll ask you the same thing. The woman at the well asked Jesus, what good is it to have all of that in you if you can't draw it out? And that's what tongues is. It's tongues enables all of that water to be drawn up out of your life and back over into a place where that power is doing you some good and you start walking in the wisdom of God, the grace of God, the anointing of God. It starts changing you into the person you need to be to run your race. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he said this he didn't say from something natural. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. The book of Ezekiel, this prophet. Aren't you thankful for the office of the prophet? This prophet has a vision, and in the vision he sees a house. 
This house is surrounded by dry ground. Out of this house, a little trickle starts to develop and starts spreading out into this area. Slowly but surely, the water begins to increase speed. And it's not just a little trickle anymore, but now the water is to the ankles. It starts pouring out even more, and from the ankles, it gets to the knees. It starts pouring out even more, and from the uh, the, the knees, it goes to the waist. It starts pouring out all the more until it turns into a river that you can't walk across. It's not to the ankles. It's not to the knees. It's not even to the waist. It is only waters to swim in. And as soon as it turned into waters that you could swim in, this water began to flow to the driest places of the earth. And it said there was one thing in this water. There was healing. There was life. And every place that the waters touched immediately came alive. I'll ask you the same question. The father asked me all those years ago, how deep is your river? You've got this living water on the inside of you. Is it ankle deep? Is it knee deep? Is it waist deep? Or have you allowed the house of prayer, which is you, to have so much river of living water flowing forth out of it with inspired utterance? That literally you look at your life and you see, I'm just swimming in the grace of God. Today I was having lunch with your, your pastors and with this, Brother Jacobs was telling his story about how pastoring years ago, just incredibly frustrated, just felt like there was something more. So he took 90 days to pray in the Holy Spirit. At the end of 90 days, everything began to change and form into his life. Why? Waters to swim in. And I want to encourage you that every time you tap into the Holy Spirit by praying in an unknown tongue, you are just simply letting down the bucket that is drawing out the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the life of Jesus, it took someone touching with the touch of faith to draw upon his power. His power was always there walking down the street. And many people were trying to get it, but only one woman knew how to draw it out. And the same thing is true of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We are all filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, in this room tonight. But friends, it does you no good to have all of that in you if you don't know how to draw it out. And the way you draw it out is by praying in an unknown tongue. I want to encourage you at the start of this year, get you some waters to swim in. Get you some waters to flow in. How many of you know it's in the flow? I'll tell you this story. I thought it was kind of funny. I'll close with this. This is my second and final closing, I I do believe. I heard uh, a minister share this story a number of years ago. And he said he was traveling in the Bahamas, and there the driver came and picked him up, and the driver picks him up, and and basically when he opens up the door for the minister to get in, he turns to the minister and just says, flow. He said he looked at the driver and said, all right, brother, I'll flow. I'm going to flow this week. Flow. The driver picks him up, uh, drops him all at the, the hotel, picks him up later that night for the meeting, and when he picks him up, the driver looks at him and says, flow. He says, all right, brother, we're going to flow. We're going to flow. We're going to flow tonight. Yes. Yes. He said in the car, no words were said. He's trying to talk, trying to get a conversation, nothing. They finally get to the church. He opens up the door, points to the the, the minister and says, flow. 
He says, okay, brother, we're going to flow tonight. At this point, he's a little agitated, you know, because that's the only thing this guy's told him. And he's wondering, does he not think I'm going to flow with the Holy Spirit? You know, what's, what's going on here? So he asked the guy, once he gets away from the, the driver, he says, why does this guy keep telling me flow? And the guy tells him, oh, flow's the only English word he knows. And he said, well, I guess flow is all you got to know. And friends, I'm telling you. <laughs> Flowing with the Holy Spirit and enabling the Holy Spirit's life and and ministry to be active in your life by praying in an unknown tongue, even if you don't know everything you do know, if you can tap into that, you are tapping in to the wisdom of God. Can I tell you one more story? It's 8.09, 8.09. I've heard 8.30, but I've heard if I can get out at 8.15, there's like bonus points or something like that. So, So with this, a couple of years ago, I was able to preach. Uh, with a, a man by the name of Miles Monroe. Uh, and Miles was someone who his book on releasing your potential really impacted my life. And I was so honored to share the, the platform with him. And at the, the end of the, the session, we were having dinner uh, or lunch actually together in the, the speaker's room. And uh, we're standing there and we start talking and I'm sharing my story and he's kind of sharing his. And, you know, I'm very nervous in this moment to, to talk to Brother Miles Monroe and we're talking, and, and I'm telling him who I am, and I, I unload on him basically my whole life story due to nerves in that moment. Uh, and anyway, he looks at me at the end of me just verbally unloading all of this information uh, in that, that, that time. He looks at me and says, who are you? I'm like, I just kind of told you who I am. I'm Joel Sims, a pastor of church in Jackson, Mississippi. And I start going through it all over again. And he said, no, 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 no. Who are you? He said, I never will forget this. Two weeks later, he passed away. Never will forget this. He put his finger in my chest. And he said, is that who you are? Or is there more in you? And I knew in that moment that I have still yet to become that man I saw in that dream. But friends, I'm making it a point in my life with every passing day to allow the grace and the anointing of God through inspired utterance into my life so that I can be changed into the man God has called and created me to be. It's been such an honor spending time with you. I'm honored to share this amazing platform and podium. Uh, And I don't have a book or tape table, but I do have the website for our church, thelife.cc. All of my my teaching from the last probably eight years. Before that, you don't want it. But with that, it's, it's it's probably all right there. Uh, It's for free. You can go and download it. But it's been an honor sharing time with you. Uh, It's been such a a joy seeing your faces. And uh, just look forward to seeing all that God is going to do in this ministry. Amen. 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 God bless you. you. Pastor Jacobs. Yes, sir. Wow. That's all I can say is wow. Thank you, Pastor, for your sincerity and your your wisdom. It's just uh, phenomenal what the Lord's done with you and through you. And we receive you in this place. I mean, I, you know, just that word flow. I mean, if we just remembered that one word and got on the stick about praying in tongues, he was referring to the 90 days I prayed an hour in tongues and God said out of that, have Dr. Ed Dufresne come to your church. 
that came out of that 90 days of praying one hour every day, apart from my regular prayer time. I'm not bragging, uh, but, you know, we're saying that that's why I'm doing what I'm doing today, because of that way back then. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Pastor. Man, you helped me. Did anybody get some help? Well, let's be generous then in this offering. Do your best. Everybody lift your hand that wants an envelope for your giving. I know we, we have something already filled out. And uh, hallelujah. Glory to God. I've been fed. I've been encouraged. I've been uh, uh, just reinvigorated. Inspired. Yeah, inspired. Definitely inspired. 